Hello, and welcome to episode 87 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. Now I'm joined today by Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. The first Benny is Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And the second Benny is Melissa Kavanaugh making her return. Hello. And the Jets. I'd rather be the Jets anyway. Well, you would. It's Phil Fariska, everybody. Hey, everybody. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking about voice search because it's going to be completely different than everything you do for other kind of search engines is what I've heard. Like everyone's all about it right now. You like, stop You stop it right now. You've got to get ready for voice search. Everybody, listen. Stop what you're doing. In fact, forget everything you've done in the past. This, the SERP is dead. The VoIP is well, back. Well, SEO is like Kenny from South Park, right? It's mm-hmm. been dead so many times. But, <laughs> but this time, I think it's permanent. Because when you really think about it, every other time that SEO has died... It's been as a result of something Google did, right? an algorithm change, a, a SERP change, something like that. This time, it's a, it's different because it's consumer behavior that's changing. It's not dead. It, 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 it is changing just like it no, did. No, it's dead. It died. It died. <laughs> it has still. ceased to be. Yeah, yeah. It is no more. All right, so should I just leave now as the <laughs> SEO expert in this room? Well, unless you... you don't know us well because if you're tuning in for the first time we do use a lot of sarcasm and irony in this show so of course seo is not dead it is still a major contributor to hotel bookings but having said that there's a lot of sensational articles out there about you know the death of seo because of voice search we don't think it's quite there but we do think that voice search is something you need to pay attention to so this episode we're going to kind of drill down into the considerations you should be having right now getting ready for when it it's mainstream. I mean, you would argue for certain verticals, it's already very, very important. Less so for hotels, but I think it, there's an argument that in certain situations, it, it's already very important. So you should be doing the right things. Someone's computer's buzzing. Whose is that? What's mine. No, it was Benny's. Okay. Um, <laughs> Blame Benny. But before we get into voice search, that yeah, that was Alexa listening to us talking. Uh, but hey... Before we get into voice search, let's see what's going on in the newsies. Melissa. In the newsies? Well, I've got some analytics-related newsies, shockingly, since I'm the analytics person. And this comes from online-metrics.com. And if anybody is really into Google Analytics or wants to learn more about Google Analytics, I highly recommend this site because it's awesome. It has all kinds of great information. But this particular newsie is talking about dealing with personally identifiable information or pie in Google Analytics. And in light of GDPR, I thought that this was very topical. Oh, whoa, whoa. You missed a couple of weeks, so I just want to correct a couple of things. It's droop. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's not PII, or pie is peer, and it's not GDPR, it's Okay, right, Phil? He's looking at me with daggers right now. so much. All right, continue, (laughs) Melissa. So this article is showing you, um, well, A, it's warning you about things that you should not be doing because they are against Google's terms of service, which is obviously a very serious thing in terms of passing personally identifiable information into Google. So there's one way of you could be reporting on personally identifiable information, and obviously that's a whole GDPR issue. 
But sometimes you're just passing information to Google that maybe you're not aware of, even though you're not reporting on it. And that's what I want to bring up right now. And that is against, even though you're not reporting on it, it's against their terms of service. And what I see this most often is if you send out an email and the link that you send people to includes perhaps the email address of the person that clicked on that link as in that URL that they land on, you are passing personally identifiable information to Google and that is not allowed. So don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Google go after anyone for doing something as simple as that. I don't, I don't think I, it's, you know, there's no intent to, to deceive or harm there, but you're right. You should be adhering to the terms and conditions. So. I see that on a daily basis when I click on emails. It's kind of crazy that that's that the, happening. That the URL contains yes. the email address. Yeah, just hash it or something, you know, or use some kind of unique identifier or something like that. Um, we, we do it with confirmation number and last name or something like that because last name on its own is not a PII. It's not considered right. PII unless it's in conjunction with first name or address or something, some other indicator. So, you know, pa pass through that the confirmation number and then pull the data remotely from the PMS or wherever, the booking engine for sure. But don't, try not to pass personal information. It's not yeah. nice. Don't pass a social security number or something in the URL. About, I, I think bad. the only one that is allowed is probably credit cards. You can pass those. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. allowed. Yeah. But you, you have to make sure you have the 16 digits and the expiration date right. and the CVV all together in that one string. And then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe billing zip code. Yeah, in the billing address. Mm. Hey, Pete, you have some newsies? I don't. I do have a news item, though. No. I'm, I'm fighting back against newsies. And this one is from ai.googleblog.com. That's A? I Google. <laughs> anyway, the, it's a great article, and it's been picked up in a lot of different places. I know I saw it on Verve and a few other places, but it's Google Duplex, an AI system for accomplishing real-world tasks over the phone. So this was published on May 8th, and really what it does is it highlights Google's latest AI system, which is designed to create real-world communications between an AI system over the phone and real live customers. So what they did is, is using this system, a digital assistant can call and make appointments for you, can make restaurant reservations, you know, ask questions to you know, any business, and the business itself would never realize that they were interacting with AI. And Stuart, I think you're gonna put some of the examples. Yeah, I'm gonna figure out how to do that. So it, it It'll be done by so. the time they listen to this. I'll splice in some of the actual dialogue. That, okay. But and it's it, crazy. It, it, it really is. And, and the way it works is when people are speaking to another person, they use, they, one, they speak a little bit faster. But they also, and you'll notice this as well, they'll inject different things into their sentence. They'll say, um, well, now that I think about it, we're open at such and such time. And that is what the AI is able to understand. It understands that someone talking in the background is not part of the conversation, you know. So if you know someone says they want to make a res reservation for four people, the response will be okay, got it for. If they want to make it for four p.m., the response might also be okay, got it for. The AI understands that that's different and can incorporate that into its its process. It's really amazing when you listen to the individual sound bites from this, you can't tell that they're speaking to a robot. Yeah, it sounds so realistic. Even the Google AI has 
those little pauses in conversation like ums itself, right? It so not only is it understanding that stuff, but it's recreating it. So it, it, there was one part where uh, the person says something and the Google AI says, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just crazy. It, it just blows my mind. So we'll put a link to the full video because there's three or four different, uh, or I think there's three different conversations that it shows, one of which gets completely derailed, really hard to understand the individual on the other end, and yet it's still performs mm -hmm. flawlessly. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. That was a real call you just heard. Obviously, it still has some work to, to do. They, they, I think they're getting ready to roll it out later this year. Uh, but, man, it's so exciting. This, this is what we've been waiting for for a long time because we've talked about, and this, this subject today on the podcast is going to be about voice search. And one of the biggest complaints is it doesn't really understand us fully. You mm -hmm. know, it's not really the natural language piece is not quite polished I was yes. gonna say how is it dealing with like a thick accent or something it doesn't matter they it do call yeah. different really? restaurants from different yeah. nationalities and it's probably not going to be a hundred percent right of course it's new and i wonder if it's going to have to identify itself when it calls someone so that the other person on the end doesn't know it's not a real person or does it just hang up when it gets confused and sends a text <laughs> to the person to we say well i was thinking about this because from a hotel perspective so many of the calls that come to a hotel's front desk are you know, service related and are not reservation related. So I could see, not in 2018 or probably 2019, but down the road. What about 2020? Possibly 2020. 2021? Yeah. 2021, it already have happened okay. yeah. by this point. Okay. But no, just calling the, ho the hotel, asking for hours and whatnot. And if it gets stumped, say, hang on one moment, let me transfer you. Right. You have a very seamless exactly, transition yeah. from robot to customer service agent and that's what i was thinking about exactly the same when because this demonstration is the person is calling the business to book a hotel book a, in this case book a restaurant right or book a hotel room but this could easily be applied to the reciprocal of that right yeah. it could easily be applied to the business to communicate the, the correct answers uh but we look at chatbots right the 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 actual language processing and response piece of this is exactly the same. It's just not, you know, in an audio fashion. Chatbots are terrible today. So I want to see this same level of technology applied to some of the chatbots because it's just phenomenal. 
but AI in general, if you looked at uh, Google's I.O. conference, AI is through all their products. Like one of the things they also announced was for Gmail, they're coming, and this is releasing within the next week or two, I think, where it's gonna do predictive composing. So as you, cause you've already seen on mobile, right? If you get an email, it'll give you a short response. Yeah. So like, thanks or whatever we'll at the bottom, whatever, you, can, yeah. you can just check. And it's pretty accurate most of the time. Usually one of those three is, is gonna work. What they're doing now is as you start typing, this is gonna be on desktop and mobile, as you start typing, it's gonna predict the rest of that sentence mm -hmm. based on what you've written before, what is generally written. And you can just tab and it will fill out the sentence. So you can write back a very robust email with a few letters and a few tabs. It's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. And it, and it's machine learning. So it's going to get better and better, more sophisticated, more accurate as the more you use it. Well, well, I think that's the key point is when you listen to these recordings, it's already so far advanced. As it gets adopted and you have millions upon millions of people using it, it's going to be incredibly intuitive of what that conversation is going to be, be all about. It's gonna be very easy for people to talk to a computer and not even realize it. Yeah, and that, you know, this is this, this duplex project is the first time I've been like, holy cow, we're closer than I thought. Like mm -hmm. I've always felt like AI is, is great, there's a lot of applications, it's gonna improve us a lot, but we're so far away. I thought still we were five, 10 years away from having real conversations with, with AI. This this blew my mind. It's the first time I'm like, holy cow, we're right there. I mean, it's closer than it's ever been. Literally, this is rolling out this year. So, mm -hmm. and it's crazy. That is crazy. It's really good. Go, so go check out the, the notes, uh, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 87. We'll have a link to this duplex product for, at, at, that they announced at uh, Google I.O. It's Watch the whole video because it's amazing. Everything's going to voice, isn't it? I don't think so. No. I don't even think we need this episode of the no. podcast, to be honest. That was supposed to be a seamless segue from the news items. Into oh, I broke the first rule of improv, didn't you I? Do. Where you, you have to be agree. accept or, and move forward. Yeah, man. Sorry. Do you want to try it again? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, voice is everywhere, isn't it? It is, which, Pete, it's a phenomenal segue into <laughs> Thank you. Great job. I could edit that whole thing out, but it's funny to keep it in there. No. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about voice, shall we? We shall. We'll, we'll probably use our voice to discuss it. Yeah, I think I think we should go away from a voice version of the podcast and go to a visual-only version of the podcast. Great. All right, who wants to kick it off? Pete, don't you have a quote from Amin Segal? All right, so with all the changes that Google's had, it's becoming more and more important that voice search really is going to be fundamental moving forward. And I'm going to probably mispronounce his name, but Amit Singhal. Pispronunciate his name. Yes. <laughs> so Amit Singhal, who's the head of Google's search rankings team, has this quote, the destiny of Google's search engine is to become th that Star Trek computer, and that's, where, that's what we're building. So they're trying to build that perfect Star Trek computer that you can say, computer, tell me whatever, and it returns the perfect answer every time. They're getting closer. They are getting closer. You know what's interesting? I found this out a couple of months ago. My wife won't let me switch it, but Alexa, you can change the wake word. Mm -hmm. I, I assume you can do it on Google as well. I don't have an Android device or a Google Home, but on uh, on the Amazon Alexa, you can change it to two or three things. One of them is computer, so the yep. wake oh. word can be computer. My wife will not let me change it. Like, but then it'll be Star bit. Trek. It'll be awesome. That's Computer. fun, though. Yeah, it is fun. But 
So instead, we compromised, and I just changed it to a British accent instead. <laughs> I noticed that I, I always use my my Google Home as OK Google, and I hear a couple other people who have them say, hey, Google. Does it work? Yeah, they all work. Hey, Google or OK Google? Does, does Google say, hey, Siri? <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. Did you ever see them talk to each other? Yeah, yeah that's it's pretty, pretty funny. Um, did you see where Google... So, hold on, let me back up a little bit. So... Today, when we're talking about voice, there's obviously two types of device. There's there's a mobile phone, which people are making more and more searches. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's also these these voice assistants, like an Alexa and a... And a we're going to kind of talk about them both gen, combined. But really, when you back up and think about it, they're used for different purposes. Mobile phones typically are on the go, that kind of stuff, and then... You know, the voice assistant is, is usually for different types of requests mm-hmm. while you're in your home, right? You're static. You're in, in your existing destination. So th- we understand the difference, but we're going to be talking generically about voice today. I think that's that's just an important note. Um, did you guys see where Google is also now allowing um, continued conversation? So versus having that. to say, okay, Google, each time you ask a new question it will remain open listening a little bit longer. And you can change the settings, obviously, if you're concerned about privacy or whatever. And I don't know if it's 10, 20, 30 seconds or but, whatever. I mean, but you Google's... can just say, okay, Google, who was the actress in this movie? And then rather than have them say, okay, Google, how old was that person? And name the name. You can now say, okay, Google, how who played this in this movie? And then you can follow up with, how old is she? And then you can ask questions like... Who is she married to? Because you know, schema data will say you know spouse's name. Like if, if some of those things can help out, it can you can get really in depth. I think the example that Google uses when you set up is the uh, like who's the president of the United States? Right. What's his wife's name? Where did they go to college? And like you can yeah. use those type mm-hmm. of phrasing or phrases, and, and it'll it it understands. Right. And so, that's where Google is really going to be a big threat to Amazon, and I think they already are in terms of the the voice search market because I have a Amazon uh, Echo. I don't have a Google Home and that always annoys me when I have to start the conversation over every single question I have. Yeah, and I think uh, likely <coughs> Amazon's going to respond to that with a similar kind of feature, right? Where it's continuous well, conversation. Well, they use so maybe. Yeah, I think that's the challenge, right? They don't yeah. have the data. And I'm going to jump around the the note show notes here cuz I want to jump in and talk a little bit about Hummingbird. So, because you kind of touched on that, Phil. So we're we're moving away from this kind of traditional flat web where it's just content towards what would be considered the semantic web or the object-oriented web, right? So exactly what you're saying. So the president is a person. That person has attributes. The attributes might be age, um, when they became their term in office, whatever it is, right? There's information about them, but then they have relationships with other objects, a relationship to their wife or their husband, right? They, they have a, a relationship to a business. They have a relationship to a home state, you know? So all these pieces of information that used to be just be flat pieces of data are now object oriented. They're all related to each other. They all have attributes. And that's really, really important as we go towards this voice-enabled world where we're trying to converse with machines the same way we converse with humans. It's going to be very, very different. Well, I think that was the point of Hummingbird, right? This is they. I, I feel like Google saw this coming, voice search coming, and they 
they understood that people are going to be searching differently. They're going to be more conversational in their searches than they have been in the past where it was strictly like three keywords to make sure you got what you needed. Now it's, we see it all the time. Queries are much more conversational, whether they're actually voice searches or typed in searches. It, we're seeing a more conversational mm-hmm. tone used in, in our search console and our search terms report. And, and I mean, it's, it's way more common well, than it used to be. Well, if you, if you think about what we've seen Google do and what they're trying to accomplish is get farther down that conversion funnel. And the only way they could do that is by having the semantic web built around their whole system. You can't expect Google to be that quick with responses if it's returning, here's a site with the answer to your question. It has to know the answer itself, which from a hotel's perspective, it pushes you further down that pipeline. Yeah, for sure. So so Hummingbird came out in what, 2013? 2013, yeah. And basically what it did is it changed the way it understood the semantics of of content. So it really favored longer form, well-organized, well-structured content as opposed to folks that used to keyword stuff and just throw in, you know, what they thought people were going to be searching for and writing it more for search engines versus writing it for humans. So the good news is, and this has been a trend for the last decade, really, if you're a good marketer, Hummingbird helped you because you were already producing great content for for consumers. If you were a shady marketer, if you were not Benny or the Jets, then you were probably writing content to try to game the system, and you were penalized when Hummingbird came out. So the people that were crying and whining about Hummingbird were the people that you want to stay away from because they're not doing things authentically or naturally. And the same people who cry and whine when uh, Panda came through and Penguin came through. So And Platypus as yeah. well. <laughs> Platypus. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, Google, Look it up. Google Platypus. Um, so, Melissa, how, how are people using these voice devices? They are using them in ways most of which you might suspect. I was just surprised by a couple. Um, We've got some data from Google that breaks it out between how adults are using voice search versus teens. There's some interesting differences here, but overall, people are definitely using it to call other people. Uh, We are getting directions to go places. We are finding out movie times. We like it to play music for us, and teens like it to help with homework, which I feel is cheating, but that's another subject for another day. And a lot of people apparently don't know how to use a watch anymore, and they're asking it to check the time. I, I must be a teenager, because I use it for homework all the time in, in checking the time. <laughs> I do use it for checking See, the time. See, I I'm use kidding my about phone homework. for homework, but I do it where I'm, I keep it down like underneath the counter so the kids can't see it, because I don't know the answer. <laughs> they're like, hey, what is the, how do you do long division? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you yeah. <laughs> Have you, have you seen the new trailer for the new Incredibles movie that's coming out? Mm-hmm. Mr. Incredible's sitting there at the table trying to do um, the maths homework for his son. And uh, he's like, you do maths differently than you used to. And he's like, trying to do it the old school way. And he's like, why did you change math? Like, I feel like that all the time when I'm trying <laughs> to help my kids do their homework. They change how you learn stuff. It drives me crazy. And it drives me crazy. When we go off on tangents on Putting the Putting an S at the end of math. If ma- mathematics. No, you're just the only it's one not, who does it. It's not mathematics. I'm not. There's about 30 million other people that do it. Mathematics. They're called British. Thank you very much. I didn't even notice it. Thanks you for pointing notice? that out. Oh, no. It drives me nuts. 
You know, I'm interchangeable. I've been here for 17 years, and sometimes I code switch between English and American. So that's one you could catch me saying a math here and there, and sometimes math. Yeah, I think you just did it in that little. Uh, yeah, I probably did. Plans. It's fine. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so this usage that we're seeing it is what we would expect, right? It's there's no surprises. It seems here. to me that most of these are, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of them are. Uh, in car, like if you're driving, right, that's when you're using this more often, for sure. Or your mobile in general, right? Because because the most voice searches really are going to be on your phone. There's a lot more f- phones in the world than there are Amazon Echoes. Mm-hmm. But it's also things that we know that the voice device is going to answer correctly. And I think we we've kind of seen like these like the bellwethers for hey, call so and so. What's the directions for from point A to point B or what is two plus two? Right. We know it's going to answer the simple questions. utility. Right. You know, having going to my Alexa or Echo and saying, "Hey, book me a hotel room in Myrtle Beach on this date." I'm not going to bother saying that because it's probably not going to get it right. Right. But we're not that far right. away from that well, being. I think the that's case. the point: is that we're so close to this, we're going to first feel comfortable calling somebody via voice, and then we're going to feel comfortable texting somebody. Then we're going to feel comfortable doing this and this and this up to the point where. Alexa, plan my vacation. Well, I, I don't know about the... I think the plan my vacation is much further down the road. This yeah. is going to hit first for the the, tra- the the traveler who goes to the same place, maybe monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, book my room at the Marriott, whatever. You know, like there, it'll be it'll be that type of consistent traveler who will be... Initially, yes. Yeah. But we're not that far away from like looking at duplex and how it worked, right? It's this clarification question. So we're really not that far from... Hey, book me a hotel in Charleston this weekend. Okay, what price point do you want? Uh, $200. Okay, where do you want to stay? I want to stay near this. Okay, are you traveling with your wife? Because it's going to know more about you, right? right. So it's going to be more personalized. Are you traveling with your wife? Are the kids going too? You know, what time do you want to get there? You know, it it's going to be a conversation with your mm-hmm. virtual assistant that's going to get all the information it needs, and then it's going to take yeah, true. through the process. True. We're not that far from that. All right, so we kind of pontificated a little bit about voice. Let's let's get some hardcore data, shall we? How about some fun facts? I like fun <laughs> facts. All right, I got some fun facts for you. Right. So according to Hitwise, nearly 60% of searches are now performed on a mobile device. I think we all, I think we've covered that here to death. Yeah, we've uh, beat that one. We've beaten that horse. Yeah, that. right. And, and I feel like it's probably higher than 60, but thanks, Hitwise. Um, next one is 82% of mobile users regularly perform a search for local business. Which makes sense. That's like you said, we we're in the car, we're looking for a local shop, whatever it is. Yeah. And a lot of these searches are you know, directions too. So that's right. probably a lot of this. Can we go on another tangent? We've been on a few. Absolutely, yes. <clears throat> so we had a phone book delivered to our house. Quit printing the internet. No. That was the biggest cause of fights in my house for like three days mine goes straight in the recycling no no mine did too show the kids because our my, they were blown away they were fighting over who got to use the phone book next <laughs> what <laughs> to look up like their friends if they had their it's phone like retro cool. yeah they absolutely loved it they thought it was the greatest thing in the world i mean they've forgotten it by hysterical. now but but yeah it was the biggest cause of fights was that you got to use the phone book next a ridiculous amount of paper for no reason oh, at okay all. here's another fun fact Wow, this is not a documented fun fact. This is undocumented fun fact. No, this is a real fun fact that I heard on the radio. Therefore, it's true that it is the law, at least here in South Carolina, that you need to print phone books 
as a law. Who, who does? All of us need to? The, the, Someone the, does. Somebody needs to print a phone book. Why is that Because I guess not everybody necessarily has a computer. Stop. It's a law. This is so dumb. It's probably not the most dumb law we have in hmm. South Carolina. Though, no, probably fair. not. But, <laughs> hey, everyone needs to get a phone book. Let's just... Uh, I, I, I'm done. I'm just going to go off on a tangent. Let me go and move on to another fun voice right. fact. Th- these, <laughs> are, these are not fun, guys. So, <laughs> these are unfun facts. Well, you're the one pe- who put fun make facts it, on make it. Him, I'll blame you. Make him feel sad right now, Melissa. Sorry. All right. I thought so, it was fun. It is here's, fun. Here's another really cool one, though. This one is kind of fun. 18% of local searches result in a purchase within 24 hours. Yeah, that's crazy. And obviously, that's not hotel specific. Clearly. Right? But it makes sense. You know, I'm looking for directions to a restaurant or the menu for a restaurant or the phone number to book a, a something at, you know, when, book a when, table when it restaurant. does come down the pipeline to hotels, that makes a ton of sense. And it'll probably be higher when you, when you say, all right, find hotels near me. And I'll be, I'll be honest, when I've gone out of town recently for, you know, travel soccer. We've gone without a hotel room, and we've decided, you know, if we've got games two days in a row and it's only a couple of hours away, we're like, well, let's just make a game time decision as to whether we stay overnight or drive back, and it's based on price. So I will make a, make searches on in the car on the way to the destination and book a hotel if, you know, if it's the right price. So this one is specific to voice assistants, but in 2017, 20 million smart assistants were shipped. Um, Amazon and Google making up the majority, but yeah, I think if you look at the data, um, I think we got a link there. It's like ninety-five percent of all in-home assistants are either Google Home or yeah. Am- Alexa, Amazon. But then, um, but you're, I mean, that, I feel like that's leaving out. Everyone has a smartphone, and those all have voice assistants as for well. For sure, for sure. But again, that used a little differently. You know, sure. I use both my voice voice search on both my devices. But I use them differently for different reasons. So this is uh, kind of along the same line, but Voice Labs found that there are a total of 33 million voice-first devices in circulation. And that that was virtual assistants. That's That's, not phones. There's a lot more phones than that. Right, of course. All right, so Google CEO Sundar Pichai. Did I get that right? Sounds good. All right, close enough, right? People butcher my last name. Sorry, bud. All right. So he announced that one-fifth of the queries on Google are voice searches. That's surprising to me. So 20%. 20% of Google searches are voice. So let's assume the majority of those are on mobile, not on desktop, right? We already know that 60% of Google searches are made on mobile. Do people use desktop to voice search? Your computer has Siri. Oh. Yeah. I don't use that. But yeah. that's saying over a third of all searches on the mobile phone are Our done voice. by voice. Wow. I'm feeling that's a lot of, hey, YouTube, play this. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, how many times do you type into Google on your phone versus use your voice on, on just looking for something on Google? I, yeah, I probably I, you're use, right. I, a lot. I probably use voice more. All right, so Chinese search engine Baidu, Andrew Ning? Sounds good. All right, sweet. He (laughs) speculates that by 2020, approximately 50% of all searches are going to be made via voice recognition technology. So 2020, we're only two years away, half of the searches. And that's in China, though. So so that's by way early adopters on mobile. Like, and you look at China, 
most transactions now are on a mobile right. device as well. So they're very, they're, I mean, they're incredibly ahead of the U.S. in this regard. But I, I think that's still a conservative number. I mean, how people are adopting it and how easy and frictionless it is to do those searches, it's only going to grow. Right. Yeah, and the reason we don't do it now is because it's not quite perfect. But as Google right. just illustrated at I.O., we're right on the cusp. They are. So to close out our fun facts, and I kind of touched on this earlier. So voice search is much more conversational and natural as opposed to uh, a keyword-based search where you're typing it in. This makes longer queries than, than what you would find uh, for someone searching on a desktop. We see it, like I mentioned earlier again, in your search console and in your search terms report for AdWords, we're, we're starting to see these really long conversational type of queries triggering our ads and, and, and triggering visits to our websites through natural search. Exactly. So think of it this way, especially, I, I think I deleted the, there was a actual graph that went along with it, but I deleted it. But if I'm typing in something, I want to find like a restaurant near me. If I'm typing, I'm going to literally type in restaurants near me or Chinese restaurants near me or whatever it is, right? If I'm asking a voice activated device, it's going to be more natural. It's going to go, show me the restaurants close to my vicinity or close to me or near me or whatever, right? But it's it's phrased differently. Well, it makes sense. It's phrased as a question. You, you treat it as if you're talking to a person. Right. Um, you're not going to say hotels near me into your phone. You're going to say, okay, Siri, find hotels near my location. Okay, right Siri. Something, whatever. Couldn't Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> hey, Siri. Okay, hey, Google. Siri. This shows you how much I use Siri. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely more conversational, 100%, than just this dry hotels near me or hotels Miami. Mm-hmm. Show me good hotels in Miami with lazy rivers. Yeah, four-star hotels. Yeah. Family friendly, something like that, whatever. You get our point, people. So we mentioned this study before, I think, but Backlinko did um, an analysis of 10,000 Google Home search queries, voice search queries, and try to correlate that with ranking factors. So let's run through like a a few of them. We'll link to the full article. It's it's really good read in the show notes. But what were some of the things that they observed when they did this analysis. So one is page speed. It appears to play a major role. Average voice search result, it loads in 4.6 seconds. So we, I know we beat this to death too, but 4.6 seconds is actually kind of slow, but you need to be fast, that fast or faster if you anticipate showing up in a voice search. And that's so important because Google or Alexa or whomever is going to be answering that person's question. If they're querying your site and they never got the answer, they're, they're moving on. So you have to have a light and fast site. All right, next up was HTTPS. So having a secure site, 70.4% of the results that showed up with the Google Home search were HTTPS, which is way higher than the average number of sites. Right? So there seems to be, and, and I think with all of these, we'll go through about 10 or 11, you could argue causation versus correlation, uh, but fast site that's secure it's not just good for voice it's good for everything so you should be doing it next up is that google prefers short concise answers to voice search queries a typical voice search result is only 29 words in length 
Yeah, there's another one lower down, which is, is interesting because the response is short, but they in they rank pages that are longer. Like I want to say it was like 2,300 words was the average. Yep. So, so there's kind of a contradiction there in terms of they're not saying that you want short content on your page, that you just got to organize the content in a way that the paragraphs or the sentences are going to answer specific questions. Right. And it's not just schema. I mean, what they've seen is from a search results perspective or voice search, 36% of the time voice search comes from a you know schema markup answer, which is just only slightly higher than 31%, which is the, the, net, the worldwide average. Right. You know, so it's not necessarily, you know, one, you know, magic lightsaber that's going to answer it. You know, if you have a great authoritative domain, that is what's going to produce the most voice search responses to. With th- that's that's in relation to a quick answer. But mm-hmm. schema is very important when we're talking about those relationships like we talked about earlier with a person and all of the things they're associated with. Yes. Schema is very effective for that. Yeah, so that that's one where it was kind of wonky on this these mm-hmm. results where they said, you know, they didn't really see a correlation because it was only 34% slightly above the, the average number of sites that actually have schema. I think that's the problem, though. I think because a lot of sites don't have schema yet, they can't rely on it yeah. because they're going to limit themselves to a third of the web if they only index sites that mm-hmm. use schema. But I think also it's you know, Google or Bing or whomever it is is getting smarter and smarter and smarter. So if you want to own the voice search, you just have to have the most authoritative site you can. If it's, sure. on a search, if it's on a desktop, it's on a mobile, if it's on voice, it doesn't matter. Right, but the thing with schema is that it, it's going to – make it easier for them to index, right? So no doubt you so have you to do it. you should do it. Yeah. Even though it's not necessary, I think you're going to put your best foot forward if you do do it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's multiple benefits. I mean, there may not be a very defined benefit from a search perspective, but we know that there's a defined benefit from you know, visual perspective, well, mobile as, perspective. SEO perspective, yeah. it's still very important. So those text-based searches, which are half your searches right now, are 40%. Right. They're still really important. Right. You it, again, expands to... your, your footprint on the SERP, which is going to improve your click-through rate, which is going to obviously improve your rankings. So. Mm-hmm. And I think Pete just touched on this, but authoritative domains tend to produce voice search results uh, way more significantly than a non-authoritative domain. So... Ahrefs has domain ranking, and the sorry the mean Ahrefs domain ranking. So the average is seventy six point eight, which is a pretty high ranking. So they're looking for an authoritative site that has a lot of links pointing to it that uh, people visit all the time, have high click through rates. These type of sites that have high domain rankings are much more likely to show up in a voice search. Yeah, which is why when and this is Google Home, but if you ask Alexa specific questions, a lot of times it'll cite Wikipedia as the response. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. High domain authority. And a lot of times that's related to the rich snippets, right? If you've mm-hmm. got like the answer box at the top in that ma- magical position zero that some people can get in the search engine results page, that seems to correlate highly with what result is showing up on voice as well. Very highly. The next one really surprises me. Content with high levels of social engagement tend to perform well in search. The average voice search result has 1,200 Facebook shares and 44 tweets. See, I, I believe that's probably correlation versus causation. Like, I don't know that that's a direct yeah. factor. I think it's just 
good content that has high domain authority that you know has all these other signals is likely to get shared more on social media. Sure. Yeah. I agree with you on that. However, simple, easy to read content may help with voice search SEO and the average Google voice search result is written at a ninth grade level. I would say that most content on the web should be written at probably lower than ninth grade because most Americans can't read at a ninth grade level. I mean, we, we heard that and we know, (laughs) we know that most people do not, yeah. Don't read at a ninth grade level. They don't respond to things higher than that because they don't understand them. So yep. it makes sense. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Who are you calling stupid? <laughs> Not our listeners. No. Well, I mean, you know, so yeah, you have to have it written on a, a ninth grade level, but you also don't have to necessarily write an article for every voice search that you think is coming down the pipe. You know, they're not even if you have a qu- answer for every single question that's not necessarily going to put you at the top of the voice search results it's just making sure you have good authoritative content overall and google's going to grab the right parts right you know, from that so so that that's kind of some of the data side but again we always like to give you some tangible homework on the show so let's go over the things we believe at this point you need to be doing to to make yourself put your mm-hmm. best foot forward when it comes to voice search most of this stuff you've heard before for other reasons, right? There's nothing here that is exclusive to voice search. If anyone comes to you and says, I'm going to sell you voice search optimization, tell them to go away because they're trying to steal your money. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as voice search optimization. There's just having a good online presence. You know, that's right. it. And, and if you do the right things, <coughs> you're going to rank well on organic search you're going to do well on voice search as well. So, I mean, I think the very first thing that you're going to want to do is claim your Google My Business and your Bing business listings. And this is capturing most of your voice searches. This yes. is your directions-based searches. This is your hey, what time do they open type searches, what time do they close type searches. Um, those those type of things are that's the majority of what people are searching voice wise right now yeah not just claiming but optimizing them and i think we're going to do an episode coming up here on exactly how to optimize those pages because because i think a lot of people are missing the boat on there there's a lot of opportunity it's simple and it's effective but go in there and just update all the information you can and they give you a lot of tools yeah you know everything from obviously the images the descriptions but google has what they call posts which are you know time-based little promotions that will appear you know, both from a, a search perspective and I'm assuming from a voice perspective as well. Who wants to beat the dead horse on the next oh, point? Make your website mobile friendly. What? We've never what? said that on this show before. So this, I mean, obviously you should do this, but when you really think about voice search and the kind of voice search that's going to impact your business right now is probably not Alexa and Google Home. It is probably mobile phone, right? They're local searches, which is why you need to do business listing. But if they don't just click to call or click for directions, where are they landing? They're on their mobile phone. They're going to land on your website. If it's not a good mobile experience, you just blew it. So you've got to make sure you're mobile friendly. That'll help you with voice search. So next, you want to make sure that three 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 three. You want to make sure that all your relevant uh, name, address, and phone information, also referred to as NAP, NAP is it, it. Make sure it's visible. Um, most, like I said, most what, voice hey, searches. Why are, don't you say NAP for that? Because I don't know. I should so why, why, why is that okay? And everything I've done recently is not okay. I don't know. You're right. You caught me. <laughs> I rest my case, Your Honor. 
There goes the gavel. Damn, I just screwed myself on that one. <laughs> so your NAP information, your name, address, phone, and let's include website, so NAPU. NAPU. <laughs> Make sure it's all visible, because like I said earlier, most of these are, are uh, location-based. All right, next one. And, you know, going from there, use conversational keywords. You know, don't think of the web and optimization from an early 2000s perspective. Think of how people are actually asking questions and use those and answer them in, in that sense. Yeah, so I, I think this is a good thought exercise. We talk about this a lot about um, you know asking people on property that are fielding questions, mm-hmm. like your reservationists, your your front desk staff. What questions are they getting? You know, really mm-hmm. take the time to figure that out because whatever questions you're getting in person or over the phone are the same kind of questions people are going to be asking their phone yeah. or typing into yeah. Google. And that's something we've done in the past. I mean, we're, we're calling call centers of our clients and saying, hey, what do you hear? Yeah. And that helps us a lot with what should I be optimizing? Well, for? and also be, in being conversational in your both keyword identification and your results or your responses is what people are looking for. They're looking for a relationship with your property. Don't be so clinical in all your responses you know, use conversational words, create that relationship. Yeah. Which kind of leads to number five. Once you've identified the questions that are being asked, make sure you have the answers on your website, primarily in the, in the form of FAQ pages. So, and, and not just a page, pages. Uh, sorry, a fact page. Fact. Um, does Q without the U make qu or q? What's what noise it's it? Depends, Depends on what language you're speaking. So it's fact, not fact. 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 That sounds like almost rude. All right, so so build FAQ pages, but also take those questions and sprinkle them in throughout your content where it's contextual, right? So if if you have a lot of questions about the the rooms, right, the size of the rooms, the amenities in the rooms, the views of the rooms, put those on the rooms page, not just on the FAQ. Put them both, right? Put them on the FAQ page and group it. Hey, questions about rooms, questions about property, questions about check-in but also put them on the page where it's relevant. I also recommend using bulleted lists where you can. I see these in knowledge graphs or uh, sorry, answer boxes all the time. And those are also being used in voice searches. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, going back to sort of your point of using FAQs or facts, wherever the person is on the site, that goes for all the site, the content on your site. Don't have anything in a silo that ends in a dead end. You know, if you're on the rooms page, have your photo gallery promotion, have your specials promotion, have your FAQs, whatever that person is looking for, give them kind of taste of other information on the page. Indeed. Hey, number six, I don't think we've ever said this one before to people. Using structured data. Yeah. Like schema.org. We didn't cover it three times earlier in this podcast. I think we may have. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So that's, that's tip number six is use structured data because again, we go into this semantic object-oriented web, or we already are there. This helps the search engines identify that data. And if you listen to our ADA compliance ADA. episode, then you would know that structured data is also useful for people with screen readers and things like that as well. And let's finish out this list with number seven, 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 seven. seven, seven. So build 10x content for the most frequent queries. And we've covered this before, but what we mean by 10x content is find what the query is you're targeting, look up who else is ranking for that, and make 
make content that is 10 times better than whatever you see out there. And if it's incorporating the information they have, that's just fine. But make sure your content is 10 times better than whatever everyone else is producing. And this kind of goes to our point earlier, 2300 word pages are the ones that are showing up for these voice searches. Yeah, it's worth putting in the time to build robust content that really does a good job as a utility for the person that's trying to find an answer to a question. And it's just, it's great for your overall SEO efforts. Yeah. Make 10x content everywhere you can. It's going to help you in, in, in traditional SEO and especially in voice search. Right. And I would say as you're building that 10x content, think about it in, in, in the context of your property, right? So for example, if you're near a, a landmark in your destination, like a, a sports arena or some big attraction, don't just, and, and that's what you're writing content about, 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 about staying with your property. If you stay at the myresortin.com, then you're only a two minute walk from this location and we offer this discount. And, you know, so make it not only valuable in terms of answering the question they're asking, but also providing information that persuades them that you're the place that they should book versus somewhere else where they're getting generic information as well little sales tool. So if you want to create 10x content, because that was our last tip, the seven tips, what are some considerations people should have? Some of this is regurgitating what we've already said, but I think it's good for reinforcement. So what are some things they should think about as they're writing this content? Well, we know that natural questions will be more effective than traditional keywords like hotels near me versus what are the hotels near my current location? Right. Mm -hmm. As you already said. Yep. And just answer the question too. Don't go into the amazing, you know, grammatical explosion. Yeah. yeah, just be Fluffery. very simple. I like the word. Yeah, think of it from a, a ninth grader perspective, right in that term. Yeah, well, short, succinct, to the point. You don't need to win a Pulitzer for writing. Yeah, what did we say? Twenty twenty nine words is your typical voice mm -hmm. search result. So if you can say it in twenty nine words or less, do it that way. And if, if that's what you need to say, use say the, the description. Just be a very descriptive. Here's the headline. This is what it's about, and and move on. Yeah, the headlines are really important because especially when you think about not just the the readers responding. Like, so if it's an Alexa or a Google Home, but if you're on your mobile phone, again, you're gonna go to the site on the mobile phone. It's a small screen, so you've got to make sure those headlines are easy to read, easy to digest, and very descriptive about the content. Organizing the content is really important too, and this kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Um, using white space, organizing that content, make it easy to digest. This is where your bulleted lists really come into play. So use those. They tend to show up in answer boxes a lot. They tend up to show. They tend to show up in um, voice searches a lot. And it's just a better user experience. Who wants to read mm -hmm. giant blurbs of paragraphs? Just give me the information I want so I can move about my day. Yep. Right. And then finally, as you're planning this out, there's a lot of data out there that can help you figure out what people are asking already and then you know how to craft the right content and specifically in your in your google search console um you can see the uh the search analytics where where they give you the keywords that people are finding your site through so look at that and you'll you'll instantly look find what the voice searches are it's it's obvious because they're very conversational in nature yeah what's, what's funny is sometimes you were saying this earlier yeah. like sometimes you'll see okay google in the search query. right somebody definitely tried to get their google home to 
activate they didn't realize it was activated so they said okay google a second time and then you'll 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 see it in your in your uh, search terms reports and and adwords and in your search console or it'll be okay google what are the star ratings of such and such hotel or something silly like that but yeah you'll you'll see that a lot those are those are dead giveaways that that's a voice search yeah and people have have been lobbying Google for a little while about splitting out the data into voice search it, its own so we can oh, see mobile desktop and voice. I think it's going to come. I mean, initially, Google came back and said, well, why? What's the value in that? And, and I think there is a lot of value. I think contextually, people may be at a different place. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be similar, but seeing how they're, they're, they're requesting it, I think is really well, important. I mean, it, helps, it helps us as SEOs to say, all right, if I'm, if ninety percent of the people who hit this page are coming through a voice search, well then let me just full I need to on tailor the content yeah. content for someone who's gonna be either listening to it or you know visiting on mobile or whatever 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 you have. Exactly, yeah. So that's it. I mean, there really are no silver bullets to ranking for voice, nor do I feel like you're gonna make a million dollars if you do all the things we talked about today. But it's it's just Again, best practice, the very simple block and tackle stuff that we talk about week in, week out on this podcast for, for all the other reasons you need to do it are going to also be effective for voice search. And, and really, if you take nothing else from this episode, don't go pay money to people that tell you they can optimize you for voice search. It is a waste of time and they are just a bunch of shysters. So. Yeah, stick to your 10x content, your traditional SEO, you'll be fine for voice search. Yeah, but if you do want to buy voice search optimization then we probably can sell it to you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, I mean, it's baked into SEO, right? If you've got a good SEO company, right? If you, if you hired someone like Fuel, we, we're already doing these things. So you right. don't need to worry about it. But if you want to do it yourself, then go to, and, and you didn't take down copious notes as we were reading through this, go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 87. We kind of bulleted all this out and we got some links in there to, some of the things we cited as well. So that's voice done. Boom. Stick Boom. a fork in me. Okay, Google, go to fueltravel.com. <laughs> Alexa, buy all the dollhouses. <laughs> Didn't that happen? Didn't yeah, that was in yeah, San Diego. Yeah. They put it on the local news and it bought like a million dollhouses. Uh, that's funny. Hey, guys, I got some bad news for you. What's You're that? out next week. No, I'm quitting. I'm getting a new job as a um, a mirror cleaner. A mirror cleaner? Mm-hmm. I can really see myself doing it. Oh. <laughs> that is the worst dad joke. <laughs> my, uh, my, my 12-year-old to- told me that joke yesterday, and I said, I love that joke. I'm going to say it on the podcast tomorrow. That's awesome. So, spoiler, I'm not really quitting. It was just a joke. Hey, can I talk Damn about it. pies? Yes, because I pies? talked about pie earlier, so I want to talk about pie again. Not personal, ident- personal identifiable information. No, I want to talk about actual pies, as in pie charts. Oh man, I thought you meant pie pies to eat. Can I just explain the pie situation in my life? Oh, this is great. Oh, that's yes. I want to. I want to hear you fired up on a yeah, Friday afternoon. All right, we're gonna leave you on this high note of the day. So I'm doing this ridiculous diet, and I have this ridiculous diet plan. Is it a diet or a health plan? Like what? Mm. I it's say like a, a fit- diet because from like a health fit- perspective. Fitness not, regime. I'm not staying on it forever, therefore I'm calling it a diet. Okay. So anyway. And, and the, to be fair, you don't really need to diet. You're in great shape. Thank you. Regardless, I have been given this eating plan, let's say, and it is diagrammed out in pie charts. Hey, what happens if this nutritionist listens to our podcast? 
she needs to hear this anyway. She probably needs mm. to hear it and, okay. and learn from it, as okay. everybody else. This podcast is about getting right really con- uh, controversial, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. It's not because this no. is very cut and dry. Let's just okay. let Melissa vent. You don't want us to keep interjecting so she doesn't get her point out and everyone's getting frustrated. I think it's, it's inappropriate always to interject on people. <laughs> yeah, we should probably stop doing okay, that. Okay, let's stop doing that, though. Okay, Pete, thanks. Are, is podcast over? I don't know. Hey, <laughs> Melissa, were you saying something? No, I'm done. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I'm so sorry. My pie is baked. <laughs> <laughs> I keep going. All right, so imagine this. You have a piece of pie diagrammed out per what type of food you're supposed to eat. So protein versus carb versus fat, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? So there's one pie that is a 50-50 split between two items. So each part of the pie is half oh, the pie, right. yeah. and each one is designated as one, like you're one serving of each of these things. Great. Right. Perfect pie chart. Pie chart number two has three slices of the pie. Are they thirds, equal thirds? They're on, equal on, thirds. Visually, they're yes. equal thirds. Okay. But they are not all the same value. What? No. There are two of them that are a value of one and another value that is 0.5. And yet they were given equal parts of the pie. Mm. Do you know what this does to somebody who works in spreadsheets and charts all day long? It burns your goat's buttons. I have no buttons left after seeing this. They're all burnt. So this reminds me of um, Adobe Analytics. You know when it does the conversion funnels? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't change. doesn't change. Like it yes. gives you a visual of the funnel, but it's always the same yes. ratios. Even though the data is different, it never changes. Like that, there's no reason that couldn't change. There's Agreed. no reason whatsoever. It would be so much more effective if it did change. Yeah. And you to be fair, bit, oh, Adobe okay. Analytics are more capable of that than your nutritionist is of getting a pie chart right. That's probably correct. Yeah. My only issue with that is it was harder to make a pie chart with three equal parts when the data is based on one 1.5. Yeah, I don't even know how you would do that. Not in Excel. No. That's how you would not do it. I mean, unless you just change the labels on top, maybe. They probably yeah. just did it with crayons. They probably went with <laughs> yeah, Google one-third pie chart. That's my data visualization burn my buttons of the day tip. Mm-hmm. The more you know. There you go. Don't make pie charts that don't equal 100%. Hey, Pete, I had someone ask me how the bees were. I've got a good lead on a few honeybee frames with bees, so that's what I'm working on now. Hopefully, by next weekend, I'll have more bees. How does one transport a frame of honeybees? Carefully. Not with your kids in the car. Mm. Do you do it in the car? (laughs) Well, I have a truck, so I just probably put it in the back of the truck. Are you not going to blow away as it's driving? No, no, I'll probably put it in a Tupperware container with a lid. Okay, well, keep us posted. Yeah, I'll I'll keep you guys interested. We want honey. I'm out of your honey. my entire family is distraught with the the Beamageddon 2018. What about your daughter that promised honey to her teachers and stuff at school? I'm going to teach her how you got to let people down gently. Or you could just go get some mason jars, go buy some grocery store honey. and That's true. That would sure honestly save me so much money by just going out and buying a bunch of honey. and then. Is it expensive to keep bees? Not, not now. I've already bought all this stuff for it. <laughs> not now. They're dead. <laughs> Well, no, but be- between the the hive materials and everything else, it's yeah. But that you know, a couple hundred. You bucks. can amortize that over several years. And oh yeah, that's it, it. Lasts forever, so it's that's not the issue. It's just more of the the emotional shock of knowing that you murdered millions of creatures, yeah, tens of thousands of bees. Yeah, which I didn't kill them, but I kind of feel like I was. Keep telling yourself for them. that. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you poisoned them with your 
Good looks? So, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're pretty good looking for a B. Yeah. Wow. All right. So uh, show notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 87. Pete, where can they find you when you're not apiering? Then if I'm not doing that, I'm on Twitter at P DeMaio, P-D-I-M-M-A-I-O. Sorry, did I call you Pete? I meant to say Benny. My bad. <laughs> And Melissa. I mean, I'm, Benny. I am on Twitter at M A Cavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H. Jets. All the Jets can be found at P Fariska, P F O R I S K A. And you can find me singing Elton John songs on Twitter at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs>